0: Hey, gang, welcome back to the Egotastic Fun Time podcast. This is a fun one. This one goes deep into the digital effects amazingness that is the Oroville New Horizons season three, as some uh, refer to it as. Get to talk to digital supervisor of all the Splosions and Pew Pews, Brandon Fayette about pretty much the entire third season and a little bit of uh, the previous seasons as well. He goes deep, deep, that I'm there with him. We got our snorkels on and everything, uh, talking about the Orville, really getting some insight into what was going on during that third season. I mean, just making the effects, planning episodes out, getting things done while the world was shut down, all of it don't forget you can also support this podcast on patreon just look for egotastic fun time and don't forget to check out egotasticfuntime.com on the interwebs which i assume you are on the interwebs right now listening to this uh little egotastic podcast here oh and real quick disclaimer uh certain points we're talking about season four of the orville just want to let you guys know Uh, Brandon and I were talking in a hopeful manner. And if we get, the Orville fandom gets a fourth season, that's kind of what we're referring to. So don't take it as news or anything like that, you guys. Just uh, take it as a bit of fun. I'll see you guys on the other end. Love you. Bye-bye.
1: I finished on a Saturday on Orville and then that next Monday I had started on the next day. Yeah. So I had all of one day off, but like the break between season one and season two was two weeks. Mm-hmm. The break between season two and season three was two weeks. Oh, wow. So it's kind of been like six years of just, or five and a half years of just like not stopping.
0: Yeah. And, so, and you guys, you have to, I mean, there's, you know, there's the cast that have to do all their lines and a lot of stuff, but the effects guys, the production people... Are there the entire time? It seems like.
1: Well, the way season three started was um, Kit and I, Kit Stolen and I started. I think it was around like July seventh, twenty nineteen. We were the first two people officially, like on mm-hmm. the uh, Fox lot, and that was when it was still a Fox show. And then, you know, because it became a Hulu show in pre-production for season three, so we were there. We were working on it. Um, I think the first thing I designed season three at the beginning was the new uh captain's chairs on the bridge
2: because mm-hmm.
1: they were like well it's not vfx but do you have a pass i'm like yeah, i'll do a pass on a chair why not and the funny thing is the chairs were actually designed to swivel left yeah. and right
2: mm-hmm. there's like a
1: release button underneath but uh i don't think anyone ever told seth or anyone about that <laughs> the whole time everybody's sitting straight but the chairs actually had a built-in swivel on them
0: oh so do wow this. Oh, that would have blown so he could have he, minds could have he could too. have
1: turned he could have turned to Adrian and talked, yeah. and then turned back. But uh, yeah, we just played it played them locked. There's like a little hidden button. But the um, yeah, we started on that, and then you know one of the things that I did for season three that I think was really useful was uh, Seth was really gracious and let us have access to the writers' drafts of the scripts.
2: Oh wow! So okay. as they were
1: actually locking down the very 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 first drafts of the script. We would get access to that for previs so we built a pre-visualization team so unlike season one and season two we're going into season three i had a lot of the ship battles a lot of the big sequences fully you know blocked out to some degree so we could go on set and show the actors this is what's happening or Mm -hmm. we could actually see what we were cutting to which i think made a lot of the season a little more cohesive i could tell like the effects Childing yeah, a lot better. of the
0: actors have have mentioned that that they they want to know what they're trying to imagine, and Seth has a, a pad or something to show them exactly what they're supposed to be imagining, what they're working with.
1: Yeah, so we built we built a lot of that out. of I mean, I think the it's episode ten, but I guess it aired as episode nine. Mm-hmm. Domino or whatever it's called. Yeah, um, that battle took us like three months to do. And that wow. was an interesting conceit.
0: It was so That's funny. Th- so much stuff on the screen at once. It, it was it was yeah. shocking, I and mean, Identity Part Two was a big battle, but and, and it broke oh some records. God. But you guys are breaking your own records with season three.
1: That was a funny thing when he said, "Oh, we're gonna we have to top Identity," and I was like, "Oh God," because I I had you know the previous team and I built the narrative for Identity Part Two in New York um we were doing like previous kind of like out of a hotel room and then that all came together in about two weeks Wow! and then i took what i did in identity part two and i backed it into uh everything from episode three of season two all the way to the last uh, episode with the uh with the asteroid battle and all that asteroid field battle on travel one um played off of Identity Part 2. We'd already gotten Episode 1 and 2 so far down the chain in Season 2 that we couldn't go back to adjust those. So that's mm-hmm. why the first two episodes of Season 2 felt a little bit like Season 1. Mm-hmm. And his progress was like, I wanted to feel more intense. I'm like, well, I can do it like Star Wars. Done that. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: and so I just took a pass at it. The first sequence we previsced for Season 3 was the drone uh, fighter Teardown Chase in 301. Mm-hmm. Where we had Gordon flying against the drones. And that was crazy because it was like, you know, it was scripted as like a couple pages, but it was six drones originally. And then we cut it down to four drones because when I started putting it together, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way I build the sequences when I pitch them to Seth and to Tom is I, I treat it like I'm shooting on a set. So I start with wide shots to kind of find where the action is and then get into the tight coverage. And, you know, working with Tom. Back and forth, we kind of built a little sequence that was pretty close to what you guys saw airing, mm-hmm. and then fished it to set. And you know, the could see it was, Oh, we're only gonna use a piece of this. And so was like, I want to use it all. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, I'm like, Sorry, <laughs> I guess that became a uh 30 35 shot sequence instead of a 10 shot sequence, yeah, which well, is which is kind of the theme of 10 or season three,
0: yeah, um, we got it all. I mean, you guys unloaded yeah. everything you had uh, on this. With well, that one three. was
1: nuts. So in, in the script for Domino, they didn't actually jetpack out originally. Mm-hmm. They um, they just parachuted out. And so my concern was just walking up to Seth. I'm like, I'm worried about the parachute thing because, you know, they could just get shot out of the air because parachutes are pretty slow.
0: Yeah. And there's a million so, shots fly, flying all over the place at, the, at that point.
1: Right. So my pitch was, I've got two thoughts. One was um, we have them kind of like halo jump at really high speed and they hit something on their belts or they, they deploy something that shoots out ahead of them, mm-hmm. slams into the ground and then they slam into it like a like an absorption cocoon mm-hmm. and It like grabs and stops the impact. And then they just kind of, it kind of dissolves around them and they're out. So it'd be like a three shot affair. We're down. And I said, and the other pitch would be kind of like, you know, I'm a big fan of the rockets here. I, we could do a jetpack thing where we just kind of jetpack it down and have them weave through everything to get to the destination. Mm. He's like, Well, show me show me the jetpack thing. So um what was supposed to be essentially like maybe two shots, turned into the whole uh egress pack kind of sequence, you know, and Seth was like, Oh, we should add this extra shot in here. And that's the one the, the sequence that I put on Twitter of the uh the jetpack scene was uh the original sequence that was Used to shoot the scene mm-hmm. on set. So, and those, um, the landings
0: were not soft either. I mean, they, th- when they got their feet yeah. on the ground, they're at pretty high speed.
1: Yeah. That was the hardest thing to kind of do because we were trying to, um, keep it coming in hot. I, you know, there's certain shots where I wish I would we would have had more time to kind of tune it. because mm-hmm. um, I still think they come down too hard. It's like they'd snap their knees, break their hips coming down that fast, but. It worked, it worked in the action in the moment, but um, yeah, that was kind of, because the whole conceit was the digital shot of them landing over their backs or on the side profile shot and cutting to the front. We were trying to get the energy on set so that that would match. Mm-hmm. So I had all the actors, you know, run in really hot and heavy to try to get the speed up and figured we could back into it with the CG one. Um, but even though it feels like we had, you know, unlimited time to do season three of The Orville, it really wasn't. If
0: if you if you I mean you could do everything that you want to do if you have the time, but you can't do right. uh you can't do it all at once. So I mean you you can only do it if you have the time. And there's so much in the season, I don't even know how you guys found the time to do what was done. Have uh, you I,
1: talked to uh, Tommy trained at all yet?
0: No, I haven't talked to Tommy. Actually, I I no, no. Uh, the schedule, I think I was not able to fit it into my schedule. But I was like, okay. "Hey, I got my I got my main effects guy, Brandon, right here. He'll tell me everything."
1: Yeah, I mean, Tommy Tommy's team did all of the um, turn on battle stuff, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we had Powerhouse and Ingenuity and Barnstorm, and a lot of their vendors do kind of the shots in space. So mm-hmm. the Powerhouse did the opening, uh, you know, battle over Zalea, and we had a uh, you know Barnstorm man. They they pulled off some amazing stuff with that uh, Kamalad sequence in 11 or in yeah. 10, I guess you're going to have to excuse me because my brain is still hardwired to think the three Oh nine, which is the one that's the novella yeah. is still three Oh nine and 310 is it's funny. Cause people are like, Oh, they would have never done. I-, I remember reading someone's comment about how um, the novella one that they would have never done that and shot the show without Ed and everybody you know, this was just extended for the novella, but the actual script was that. Was yeah, I figured.
0: They were, I was like, of they would do it. Yeah, I mean, 85%, an episode, all new people. Yeah, I mean that an episode like that. I was, uh, I was disappointed because I'm like, oh man, if they were able to make that episode, I mean, that's that's Emmy worthy type stuff for a show to do. I
1: mean, I'll tell you right now, like my two favorite episodes, thematically and story wise for the season, were. um Topaz episode four, or mm-hmm. was it six? I think it was six, is what it aired as. Six or five. Yeah, the,
0: uh, t- the tale of two <laughs> Topaz. To,
1: that's my favorite episode that aired in the entire season, just bar none. Yeah. Um, but the one that's right behind it, that's just as powerful, is episode nine. I forget what he ended up calling it, the novella one.
0: Oh, um, um, Sympathy for the Devil. Yep,
1: yeah, there you go, that one. So that one, man, we were so set to shoot it. Kassar and everybody had gone to Prague because we were going to shoot it in Prague as Germany. They had scouted it. Um, they came back from scouting it. Mm-hmm. And we were going we to do kind of like a lot of shooting in Prague. And then we were going to do a little bit in L.A. And everything was set to go. And that was March, like March 5th of uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, everything shut down. Yeah. And so the issue was we couldn't shoot it when we would lift back up again in October because there was no actual way to leave the country mm-hmm. to go into Prague. because and it really wouldn't so have looked wall. right
0: if it had to be filmed here in the States. Well, oh, it was
1: impossible. We looked, we tried. We looked for that was kind of like last resort because I was I happened to be um between season two and season three, I took a trip to Berlin with my wife and we mm-hmm. um we were looking at uh I was looking at that area going like, is there anything in Berlin that could play for Berlin? But then you realize the whole, whole city was raised to the ground and there, mm-hmm. there's nothing that really matches the architecture, you know, that's still kind of standing besides like an odd building or two. So it ended up being, um, you know, Prague was kind of, I guess has been the substitute for that is interesting thing. But Kit and everybody had built out this whole concentration camp set. was going to be,
0: it would have been one of those
1: weird and invisible VFX shows where it's just yeah. like, Remove all the modern touches, but still, I don't know. I, I think sometimes this show is is really beautiful in the moments that don't involve the wall to wall effects. Where yeah, it's just about you, character. You know,
0: yeah, even the finale. I mean, it was such a great yeah. wrap up of not only just some of the characters, but of of the story and the theme. And I felt that the finale episode really. It's like the Orville was departing with a very important message uh, to not yeah. only the audience, but to humanity about, you know, about the social media and getting, you know, all all of LaSalle's story, basically.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, you know, it, it's interesting when you look at, you know, when you're so deep inside of it, working on the show and you're, you're kind of sitting there going, okay, you know, they, they ripped us apart. In season one and season two they kind of started to like the show a little mm-hmm. in season three people really like the show for the most part but you know you're you're always trying to kind of you're trying to kind of make sure you do your best work mm-hmm. but also stay true to the message you know like for me when when I'm doing the strip battle scenes you know I, so many years I have situations where like you watch a show and you just get lost in like the battles and you not know what was going on and that's why in season two started building that kind of whole handoff thing where i can take the audience with me through a battle yeah and seth really embraced that tom where you know you're not getting lost in it every shot in the battle actually tells a story and it's all cohesive it's yeah, a random cutaway to ships firing you know yeah
0: we're following ships and it's you know it's, it's right. leading up to to someplace. and and you're totally right i see You know, I go see a space movie and there's all this action and I'm like, I have no idea who I'm rooting for. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just watching a bunch of stuff explode and and, and your brain eventually just turns off to that or it doesn't care anymore. But when you're being told a story at the same time, it's pretty groundbreaking.
1: You want to know the one one thing in 10 that we missed that everybody's Hmm. catching? What's that? Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. It's just, the seasoning spent, on the egg salad sandwich no 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 <laughs> we spent so much effort this season to try to not have this happen and it happened anyway mm-hmm. and Brooke mentioned it when we were watching the premiere of Domino on on Hulu and I was like oh god how do we miss this
0: well I finally broke down and did it you guys Egotastic Fun Time is finally a freaking podcast I guess I have to make words for ego panions around the world to listen to now. And all I can say is, I love it! We're talking about the things I want to talk about with the people I want to hear from. Creators from all over the spectrum of entertainment, getting deep into the issues of this thing we call life. And we're going to talk a lot about the Orville as well, duh. You can listen to episodes of the Egotastic Fun Time podcast almost anywhere pods are casted and support this grand experiment on Patreon or EgotasticFuntime.com Links technically should be listed somewhere in the show notes. I don't know, you guys haven't figured this all out yet. Like I said, it's an experiment. Please consider helping to keep the Egotastic Universe alive and I'll see you very soon. Remember, we all do better when we all do better. Damn it, every season it
1: happens. <laughs> but um, so in the main titles, you'll notice that when you see the different shuttles taking off, one says ECV, one says LCV, one mm-hmm. says CCV. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we try to make sure that when Shuttle 1 is down, doing things, Shuttle 2 is the one that's on the ship. Spent all this time and effort, and then stupid scenes... Where the shuttle takes off from New York with the stolen device mm-hmm. goes to Quantum, and he meets with the with the Krill and the mocklins It was the ECV one nine seven one shuttle.
2: Oh. <laughs> I was like,
1: God, we were. Sl- I was looking at you know, it's like you can't see the forest for the trees. I was looking at all the minutiae. like you know, lens flares look like, right? And all of us missed it. You know,
0: you're too and deep into it to, to see it from an outside the horrible, point of view
1: because there's you have to change the textures because you're only building one CG asset. Mm -hmm. which is the ECV-1971 shuttle. So anytime you call out a change, you have to change the actual call sign uh, in the paint job of the ship. So it's a deal. And we had, you know, Fuse did the shot, or we had three vendors work on the shots that are this break in logic. Mm -hmm. So Crafty Apes did the New York shot of the shuttle leaving the uh, Union Central building and flying at Lens, and then Mm -hmm. Fuse did... The coming off the Earth shot, where we wrap around with the shuttle as it goes to Quantum at the space station, mm-hmm. um, and then we had our our, our newer vendor do um, the uh, the destruction all the way down there. I think it's Admiral Perry of like him coming to meet you know T'Lea and you know Lokar, and then just come back. And so we just missed it, and it was one of those like you know part of what I think I might do in a fourth season is I'm actually going to create specific textures Mm -hmm. in the previs for the ships. So that way the previs has the right number. So if something breaks, I have like, it's like a reminder to myself, Brandon, I changed the number of the shuttle here, (laughs) but um, it happened in season one. It happened in season two. Yeah. I remember all the way to episode. Yeah. We made it all the way to episode nine. It happened again. (laughs) So I think that's the curse. That's, that's our, um, our coffee cup in the shot. Game of Thrones (laughs) curse is the stupid, labels in the shuttle. Uh, yeah, so, luckily
0: there's a lot going on where not everybody's focusing on the on the call signs, but I, I watch episodes so often uh, over and over again that eventually I get to, I, I start noticing things, but you know, all forgivable because it's a, it's a little thing uh, in, in, right. <laughs> in such a big, well, beautiful show.
1: I'm going to redcon it. I'm going to say what happened was they used the Orville's call sign as a moniker because when they were scanning the shuttle leaving the Planetary Union building in New York, you know the only ship that could have authorization to hold that device would have been the orbital because it carried it earlier on. Well there you so go. It's that actually works. a holographic facade and that's that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh w- with uh, episode
0: 9 uh, uh well, I should probably just call it Domino. Uh with Domino we finally got to see the Pterodons really in action and you are yeah. the father of the Pterodon, aren't you?
1: Uh it's funny. So um, You know, end of season two, I've done a design for the Pterodon and actually had started the design on the new shuttle for season three. Uh, and we put it, Pterodons in one shot in Identity Part Two that no one really notices, where we're kind of flying over Leviathan and they leave the shuttle bay and they kind of wrap around mm-hmm. the Keelon cruiser. But um, yeah, it was fun. It was um, the original conceit design wise that I didn't really agree with was. You had the dark-tinted cockpit mm-hmm. of the Terradon. And then when they were designing Gordon uh, Gordon's wardrobe, they had an orange visor that went over Gordon's face. And the orange visor would have been like tinted, went glass over orange visor over his eyes. You would have never seen his performance. So it was very mm-hmm. much like kind of the X-Wing things. Mm-hmm. So if you look at uh, 301, there is one single shot in the show where you see the orange visor before we pulled it off of the helmet that we didn't bother to pull out, which is when Gordon jumps out of the Terradon to talk to Charlie and it's the big steady cam wraparound. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, what a beautiful ship you'll actually see when he puts the helmet down, there's an orange visor on it. <laughs> and so if you want an Easter egg, that's the thing that we removed because it just, it was too much for the performances. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, the I... Terradon sequence was, was, was fun. It was, was it uh, sad
0: to see so many destroyed in that episode?
1: Oh no, was I it? wanted them all. I, I we only killed four of them. No, mm-hmm. we killed more than that. Killed four, four predominant ones. Yeah, I just used them as kind of like fodder. <laughs> I mean, look, there, there is there is some logic to say, like you know, I've I've read some of the criticisms. Of people like, well, why would the shuttle, um, you know, why would the pterodons surround the shuttle if it's already cloaked and no one would see it? And, you know, the conceit was that they were basically, you know, doing the hiding in plain sight thing mm-hmm. where you're kind of, you know, you're using that sort of pull distraction so that they wouldn't track it. Because theoretically, the Machlins could have advanced enough technology to track the, you know, heat signature or plasma signature,
2: or yeah, absolutely. signature
1: of the shuttle that's cloaked. And then, uh, you know, I always really wanted to do this, like, beautiful, like, magic hour sunset, you know, fighter battle. Mm-hmm. which i thought would have been great you know and then when tommy and fuse lined it up and then eric made this awesome comment about let's add more blue to the sky because it was mm-hmm. originally two cotton candy so now you got like this cotton candy sky with this blue side and it's just it really lined up pretty well uh i threw a couple star wars images in there i had to do a trench run mm-hmm. i had to do uh when the uh the crow fighter gets hit and he goes like this, and then he spins out into the wall and we keep tracking, and that cuts inside.
0: oh nice. Uh, I didn't catch that one
1: and then the um that was the biggest pitch I think that was the other pitch i like I like petitioned um Tom and I petitioned Seth on was you know originally a scripted you were just going to Gordon and you were just going to um uh, j Lee Gordon and um uh, God of my brains Lamar oh, Lamar and yeah. uh yeah. And that was it. I'm like, we should do this like Star Wars, you know, Tom and I are like pitching set. Let's cut some other people in there. Even Mm -hmm. if we don't know their faces, like, let's give them kind of like that. There's other humans in the world, even though we're killing them off. So we cut in those two stunt guys to be kind of like our other, you know, fighters, because then that made the cross cutting between, you know, Gordon to the guy that dies, you know, Murphy, I think he called him and like some of the other ones. It was just like very, um, a very nice kind of like blend. So that we had a uh, really good um, feeling like there were more people involved. Like Gordon and, you know, Lamar had their own squadron and these people, real people that they knew. And they were, yeah. maybe we may not have seen them on the Orville, but they, you know, worked with them. And so well, it was great to see such a more. huge
0: battle not take place in space. I mean, that was oh, yeah. a, a nice thing to see.
1: When when I was prevising that out with the team, I had to build a timeline. I had like an Excel spreadsheet. And I was calling up, uh, Brandon Braga was busy on something, so I was calling up Andre Bormanis, going like, okay, um, you know, I've got basically land, sea, and air. <laughs> so land, land is in the tunnels, um, sea is the terradons and atmosphere fighting, and air is the space battle. So I need to know what's happening around what timeline
2: mm-hmm. because
1: I wanted to make sure that we actually had a natural progression in the battle. Again, okay. this is that whole, like, I want the audience to be on the journey. Not just do random fighting. So we were, you know, we are in the timeline. Is the shuttle about to, you know, explode? And we have to get everybody out. We're in the timeline. Are they ineffective at even raising the Machlins? Um, you know, concerns over being hit on the battle station. where in the timeline. Does they kill the little transceiver thing that makes the Machlins raise the anti-air guns? Mm-hmm. So we were very much going back and forth, like trying to figure out what's happening because. The way the script was written was like intercut, 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 intercut. Mm. And it would just say things like, you know, action, battle, spectacular space battle thing here, or Orville gets closer to the planet. And you're, you're trying to kind of go, okay, well, how do I build a narrative of that? And it was, um, like I said, it was almost a three month affair. Wow. And we, uh, we got the whole thing put together. I think that was one of the last things we ended up prevising, And you can see like on some of the clips that I posted or the pre you'll actually see the dates in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, of when we actually did the previous, So you can kind of get, you can build a clock from like, oh, they did it then and it took them this long to get here. Um, but a lot of that was like, you know, there was one shot I really wanted to do this season, which I think would have like made the fans really, really happy. Because um, there's always the question, there's always a the question of like, okay, does the Orville only have one pterodon? Does it only have two shuttles? And so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when Doug Drexler Redesigned the graphics on the floor of the shuttle bay mm-hmm. with those black stripes around where each shuttle was and where the on was, you know. And I worked with him on like the contours. The conceit was those actually weren't black stripes; those were caution bands because those are actually lifts. So you gotcha. actually send different ships up and down into the shuttle bay, mm-hmm. almost like they're coming from like deployment tubes from a lower deck. So I actually wanted to build this shot that would actually show a shuttle rising in a position before it takes off. And you could actually, you would never have necessarily have to see where it's coming from, but just to sell the conceit that, oh, okay. So they're actually like sliding these things in from somewhere else. So the yeah. world could have a complement of fighters. Yeah. John had
0: his own. So, and, and Gordon right. had his own. So we're like, well, where did, where are they getting these extras from now? The other fighters of course, got them from their ships. I'm assuming. Right. But, uh, but that makes yeah.
1: total sense. So we had we had, I, had, I had pitched it, but the problem was, um you know, and to Seth's point, this it's it would it would have been such a slow big shot that um, it it was a struggle to kind of find a place in the narratives to show that right. Like yeah. the only episode you could really show the pterodon stuff on was Domino because that was the only one who really got a chance to play with them. Yeah. Um. So we kind of, you know, there were he was trying to find. I talked with Seth a few times, and he was he was trying to find a place to maybe put the pterodon earlier. So you wouldn't have it just in 301 and in 309. Mm-hmm. But again, it's one of those things where it's like you have, it has to serve the story. Yeah, You know, as much as people want to see the fighters flying, you can't just throw them in there for the sake of just having them.
0: Yeah. And less is more, as they say, you know, hold yes. on to it and it becomes a much bigger deal when you finally see it happening as opposed to every single week having to tear I it out. The, uh,
1: there was somebody on Twitter that had posted a while back about how, I think we did 304 mm-hmm. and uh, the krill episode, and they were like, "Well, oh, there went most of the budget for the season." <laughs> and they were insinuating that was the biggest episode. And I, I wanted to be that guy that was like, "Well, that tweet didn't age well."
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Because uh, speaking of this, oh no, you go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to say, speaking of the size of of not only season but the episode Domino. Uh, it, I mean, back in, uh, back in season two, identity part two was, was known as, you know, breaking records as being the biggest thing, uh, biggest battle uh, ever done, uh, on a show before. Now we have this, which blows it out of the water. So I'm very much expecting some big nominations, uh, for this season. Now, what are your hopes,
1: man? I don't know. I know the rules have changed the way it works for visual effects. Emmys now, as you can do, um, you can do the entire season. Mm-hmm. So it's the best visual effects for a season of television. So obviously we would put up the whole season of the show. Um, you know, if we're nominated, that'd be an awesome honor. You know, I, I just know that like at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> the brief was make it better than identity part two. And the result was, okay, I think we did it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: 900,
1: Pretty- 900 plus shot episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, so. it's incredible. Mean, and so many other battles in this season were, were, were making me forget about that amazing battle from season two. Now, speaking of the Identity 2 battle and then Electric Sheep, we get a return of that battle in Marcus's dream, but from a different point of view. Now, I've synced the battles together. They really seem like they sync up well like the whole elevator breakdown with Marcus in electric sheep really seems to yeah. be that same moment where that sphere side swipes the Orville back in identity too.
1: So I, um, that's, that's what you get when you have the people that made it thinking about continuity. Um, there's, there's an interesting thing with that battle, right? So I remember, you know, before season three aired, we put out, uh, or Seth put out the first few minutes of the show. That showed mm-hmm. that battle and everybody was ragging on the visual effects saying it looked bad it looked, you know
0: because they were watching Marvel.
1: <laughs> well but just in general and and what I, what we deliberately did for that opening scene was light the ships like season two mm-hmm. so we deliberately tried to recreate the look of season two for that battle so if you notice right after marcus wakes up and you cut to the space station and you see it it's like a whole different looking show mm-hmm. it was a kind of an intentional throwback to the season two identity battle with the season three chips yeah so and uh because that you know, battle know took that we,
0: place before the entire universe was somewhat reset back to uh to what did or just reset after the whole kelly timeline thing
1: Well, I mean, and part of it, too, is you got to keep in mind, like, that was the first sequence that we were lighting. It was, you know, this particular vendor's first time dealing with these assets. Mm -hmm. You know, this was pre-pandemic. So, you know, we were trying to kind of figure out the look of the show. And I was like, let's start with the season two lighting, and then we'll back into kind of a new look for the episode. So people will see a visual distinction between beginning scenes and what came to follow. But instead, I think we got eviscerated a little, and that always stung.
0: Oh, this is a good one. Okay. Mocklinboro 500 pack cigarettes. For Mocklin size satisfaction with a clean, smooth, fresh finish that's easy on the throat, too. If you feel like you've been standing your entire life, come sit down and feel the tingle. Come to Mocklinboro Country. All right, that wasn't so bad. I guess we can do ads on this podcast. Alright, cool. Anyway, don't forget to uh, help support this uh, little podcast here on Patreon and EgotasticFuntime.com for all information regarding this
1: crazy world of egotasticness, you guys. But for to your story about um, how they cut together, you know, there was a rhythm when Tom uh, and I had worked together with Seth to kind of identity and you know it was you know Seth's guiding light you know and Tom and I kind of just assembling this this thing and and Tom has a really specific cadence with the way he likes to cut uh, space battles and I kind of adopted Tom's cadence even when I'm prevising because I know you know one of the things like Tom and I always mess with each other but we we really I think we really do work quite well together building these narratives and Seth's always been really gracious to let us kind of play before mm-hmm. he comes in. And so one of the things was trying to time out the beats to feel like, um, what happened with, um, identity Part two's timeline and that entire sequence with Marcus going in the elevator was fully built in CG with a total digital double Marcus before he even shot mm-hmm. uh, BJ on set. So, it was kind of like how marvel does it to some degree where we we pre-built the entire sequence yeah so we rhythmically knew what we were going to do down to like the even the tracking shots outside the ship mm-hmm. you know and then john cassar had fun just building them all together you know the only nightmare shot was the one where we we flew from outside the ship into the ship into the hallways yeah because the set the sets and the ship don't align but uh the only thing, you know, the only conceit I had when I was like pitching to Tom and Seth was like, I hope people don't realize we're just moving in circles because we don't have extra set.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so it's like, you know, he's, he's going down, but he's he's kind of coming out on the same deck. Uh, so kind of he does a couple loops. But uh, interestingly enough, there are two shots in that sequence that are actually season two shots from Identity Part 2 that were digitally modified to be season three shots. Oh, wow. So That's, I, that's I a good use of an asset. That.
0: Oh, I'm on it now. Um, I am on it. Now. I'm gonna have to do that. I haven't watched because you know it's been a whole ten week process here. I haven't even gone back to uh, look through any of the uh, the beginning of the season yet because I'm always working on the latest episode. But now I'm going <laughs> back into not what is but what was mode uh, for the Orville because right. it'll be a while before we have we get to talk about new episodes or anything like that. Fingers crossed, we get right. some. Uh, I hope so
1: I want to I want to play in this world again I, I really 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 do yeah why <laughs> would you
0: ever want to stop <laughs> so many stories know, man. to like, tell so many pew pews to explode I mean it, it yeah, just seems been, like forever fun
1: I. I. I feel like humbled and fortunate to be on it but also like you know design a lot of the ships and you know Seth really does he really does a really good job of letting you know all of us contribute And then he sits back and he kind of comes in and, you know, puts his touch on it. And as soon as he does that, it all just comes together and it's just magic. And it's, it's such a great phenomenal group of people. I mean, look, I, I can't, I can't talk to you or talk to anyone without talking about, you know, know, Eric and Brooke and Adam and, Mm. you know, all of, all of our team, you know, George and Taylor and Peter and, you know, Ian and, lauren and just you know olivia all all these people that we had in chris mcleod who kept us all going chris mcleod would say this thing. so chris mcleod was kind of in charge of all the shots it's like our master of ceremonies right mm-hmm. and he yeah. uh he would say with season three the dark forces were always conspiring to take us out yeah and it's like we're always fighting the dark forces because you wouldn't believe how many times like every episode we get to a point where just something was gonna go <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like the show has to finish we have to get through it yeah and the and, darkest
0: force was you're making the show and the whole world shuts down and says no
1: <laughs> yeah that one was a good one um man that was nuts like i mean we really only we had shot so a pretty good chunk of the season before the world shut down and then you come back and you're like you know there's like certain scenes where like we started back up again where the lighting changed and we had to kind of like digitally fix that on set because it was like we kind of forgot a little bit of what we were doing Mm -hmm. and you know for the first few days and then kind of picked it back up again and you know it's it's hard to do that i mean when we came back we were one of the first shows that came back and there was no vaccine there was no protection we were covid testing like seven days a week Mm -hmm. and it was like you're wearing a face shield on top of a mask and it was just you didn't know if it was transmitted by air or by by touch you're like sanitizing all your groceries and yeah
0: and you, you don't know. know how bad it's going to end up being
1: and and think about it this way everything is saying stay away from large groups of people and you're locked inside of a closed building with 250 people
0: yeah this show takes day. a village
1: yeah and you're just like oh my god this is a thing that could kill us and yeah. here we all are together trying to do it so you're you're kind of the perspective changes a little and you know it, it's hard when you hear like people rag on how long it took for the season to come out, or people being really like aggressive for having to wait. It was like, you know, when we started, we were literally terrified that we were taking a risk on our own lives, mm-hmm. shooting a show of television. But
0: and and we got and through it. stuck through it. Yeah, yeah. You, and it's, I mean,
1: it's, we all you you all deserve a hooray hooray for you. <laughs> that was so funny. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think. Like my wife's favorite scene was when the, uh, when the Kalon stripper <laughs> happened, but uh, yeah. <laughs> like the first time she really bust out laughing, but um, it's, it's interesting too. Cause right. Wouldn't you say like, okay, all the, okay. Three, you know, season three didn't have as much humor as season one or season two. Mm-hmm. And Seth has even said like, you know, season three has the same amount of humor as season two. It's just the storylines are the storylines. Yeah. I tell you look people at like, you know, yeah, well, you I tell people that I'm like the,
0: there's there's humor in every episode, but the yeah. the actual overall story is so big and important that it kind of overshadows the the comedy, even though it's there. So I just think people weren't noticing it as much.
1: Well, and I, I think it's you know the last episode definitely puts the humor back. Oh yeah, I mean the the whole the Halston thing was a good secret to keep, mm-hmm. and um, boy, that sequence! I went to uh, Yosemite and shot photos of some of the glades in Yosemite to get reference for what was going to be that, uh, that wedding mm-hmm. kind of glade that they were, they were in. And the digital Kalon there were, were an interesting thing. Cause you know, that was, so that was a, that was one of the last things we shot was that wedding sequence. And we only had budgeted for 13 Kalons.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't even realize you had that many Kalons there.
1: Well, think about it this way. It wasn't that we had 13. We had basically, I think, like 13, I think, Kalen suits. Mm-hmm. And we only, the issue is we had, I think, like three stunt or two suits for Mark and then like a stunt suit. So that was three. And then the main Isaac suit, which was four. Mm-hmm. And then an additional few that were built, because we had built a whole bunch of them for season two, but because the design changed, you know, making a whole new set of suits from scratch would have been an exorbitant cost. Yeah. So the the pitch was okay. We can either tile them, which would have been a nightmare tiling the live actors. We did we did mm-hmm. the tiling gag for the krill episodes when Talia is standing and looking over the crowd. Yeah, you got, all 100... these
0: huge crowds—you definitely couldn't do that, right?
1: Right. Well, no, that was shot pre-pandemic. Oh, the issue with that was so that whole that whole scene was done before the pandemic happened. We had a hundred and ten krill. I think it was something like forty makeups. And like sixty masks. Oh wow! So the masks don't hold up as well. You can see them when you look in there. Are the ones that have like full curl makeup versus like a krill mask.
0: Yeah, I could tell. Wow. <laughs> I could tell now. But much.
1: um, but that was just because we needed like five hundred people in there, so mm. we were tiling to make the crowd bigger. But that was pre-pandemic, so that was the world before masks. And um, we uh, with the Kalon sequence, it was like, you know, Seth wanted them all to move. You know not a hundred percent in sync yeah but pretty close because you know if they move a hundred percent in sync they're too robotic and mark doesn't perform you know isaac like that Mm -hmm. so what we would do is all of the tight covered shots the first two rows were filled with real
2: k-line
1: so and then all the rows behind them were digital k-line matching and then in the very very wide shots you know, like the high wide looking down when Claire's walking up the aisle. Mm-hmm. Those are fully digital Kalons. But what I would do is I would sneak in to the shot a real k in every shot.
0: Oh, that's um, cool.
1: And that was for lighting reference
0: uh-huh. so
1: that we knew we knew what the real one looked like. So they didn't all look, you know, because you want to light them so they look real. So yeah. the challenge is how do you do that. Well, you put a real one in there. So I always had a real one in there. They they The conceit was you use that as a lighting reference and then you erase it. Yeah. So the real Kalon's not actually there. You can't wear as Waldo and go find the real Kalon for the sequence, mm-hmm. but know that there was a real Kalon that was placed in each shot at a specific location to help inform the visual effects team. This is what the suits actually look like. You yeah, know? that's, and that's a crazy. Lot of,
0: I would never even have thought that that would be uh, something you would have to do to help it,
1: you know, look more realistic. It's cool. You don't Rapper have now. to do it you don't have to do it, but think about it. Like if you know what it looks like and you're lighting a digital one, you've got mm-hmm. a perfect example of what one looks like in the environment. Mm-hmm. So we did that for almost all the scenes. And then all, of course, all of the, uh, the blue helmets had to be turned, uh, orange or red, depending mm-hmm. on which key on we were. But I think there's because secondary is orange, primary is red. Mm-hmm. And I believe all the other ones are orange. Um, or we'll call it red. Um, and then what we had to do is use the, you know, the, the 13 Kalen that we had strategically in like all the rest of the party, like where bordis is like, you know, giving his toast and things like that. And then we snuck into those shots three to four fully digital Kalen. Mm-hmm. So in certain angles, we have digital Kalen added to make it feel like more were there because it felt a little bare of Kalen. Yeah. So it's it was a it was kind of like a very delicate dance to make that feel like a world. You know. Yeah, uh, just like with, the uh, the asteroid.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, with uh well that asteroid is really cool. When but when the preview just came out, everyone's like, "Ooh, what's going on with that scene that's like a primordial is is Kelly becoming a traveler of some sort or is it an environmental simulator?" You know, there's all these theories going on. It's like, oh, it's just the environmental simulator program. You know, you, you guys are doing a real good job yeah. at, at making people guess throughout the whole season, and everyone comes up with a big old, uh, a a big old scenario. And it's like, oh no, it's more simpler than that. But those, yeah,
1: it was um, it was easy to do that because um, you know, that was a very, 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 um, it was a very long set of conversations Mm -hmm. seth basically said talk to andre make sure that the logic of the scene matches Mm -hmm. you know and doing the interior of like a one and a half mile asteroid
2: yeah
1: uh in a way that could be visualized you know it's kind of like that that bit in inception right so you're um you're trying to figure out okay how do i actually reconcile this in a believable way and make it work so what we ended up doing was um very much plotting out with barnstorm the curvature of the planet how it would roll it ended up being instead of it being perfectly spherical in order to sell it optically you kind of made it more like a football yeah so you can get a little more bending on the sides. kind of like what's happening above my head here yeah the 360 just to generate that conceit that we're inside of a spheroid and doing it and then the trick was okay now how do you sell the lighting and make that work and then how do you sell uh the comelids and make them work and uh there was a whole kind of like shootout between a bunch of different teams to design the Mm -hmm. And so we presented seth like like four or five different designs and he he tuned it into place and they're an extremely detailed character asset that no one's really going to see yeah if you still frame it you can i mean they've got really these beautiful kind of like you know, intelligent eyes and really emotive kind of face, and you only see them underneath ice. But yeah. you know, putting all that work in really helped make them move well. And let's it was go you know, that extra those, like, mile. Let's...
0: Yeah, putting in the things that no right. one's gonna ever notice that 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 just makes it more of a, of a real world for for the yeah, interfilling. And,
1: and then we fight. We fought some stuff that we didn't anticipate, like uh, the camera that we're shooting on the Sony Venice mm-hmm. had a um, had a issue. With some of the uh, lighting that we shot on set that no one caught because it was only being recorded to the card and not being recorded to the, or not being displayed to the screens. Mm -hmm. So when you look at like at the end of uh, episode four, when Ed and Kelly are standing outside the, uh, they're standing on the terrace of the Planetary Union building and it's got that kind of weird looking sunset lighting. Yeah. So what happened was, the entire set was almost monochromatic red. It looked like the interior of the Melbaris asteroid. And we tried to recover as much as of, it, of it as we could, but it became this thing, and a certain type of light of the new lights we are using on set caused an issue in the color mm-hmm. that we never anticipated. But now that we're aware of it, if we, if we used a camera like that on the next show, we would do some kind of like lighting test to just make sure because, again, it was one of those things where everything on the monitors looked normal. Everything yeah. that we saw while shooting looked normal. But what was recorded to the card was abnormal. And it seems to be a sensitivity to a certain spectrum of, you know, amber light for that particular camera sensor. Wow! So we had, we had three scenes in the show that were affected by that. We had Kelly and, um, you know, Ed on the terrace at the end of four. We had uh, an eight. It's an eight? Yeah when Bortis and Kelly get in the back of the shuttle to go rescue Topa mm-hmm. and they hotwire the shuttle and it takes off and slams him through the treetops and we fly out yeah. into the uh, atmosphere. That was the other scene where we had that color issue. And then the final scene where we had the color issue was the Maris asteroid,
2: mm-hmm. but it
1: worked out for the asteroid because we just leaned, um, leaned into the, uh, that kind of warm look and just yeah. made it kind of that kind of golden you know orange you know magma heated core
0: mm-hmm. well when you guys but, leave your reviews on amazon for that camera don't forget to to mention that
1: <laughs> well i mean I, I, I look it's we were you know some of the things we did on the show were bleeding edge when it came to like lighting yeah so you know it's i don't think it was a fault of any it was just one of those things that happens mm-hmm. and sony's moved on from that sensor to a new generation anyway Mm-hmm. But it was an interesting thing because it's one of those things you'd never you'd never get if you hadn't run into it. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely. I'm just glad uh, you guys um, were
0: able to overcome it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was enough data there to bring back a lot of it, and yeah. it, uh, it ended up looking pretty good. But there's always those things that you're like, okay, I could pick something in every episode where I'm like, man, I wish I had <laughs> more time to do that thing. If I only but had still looks more good. time right uh, oh my car and drive backwards that's
0: right (laughs) well before before we wrap up uh with i want to talk about in domino uh the big explosion at the end that took out charlie's character uh what kind what went into that explosion i mean it was it was edited so well but the effects going on were incredible and that explosion i felt it i actually felt it yeah
1: that one was uh that was a lot of work. Um, it was uh it was a lot of like we're trying to I wanted to crack a planet. It wasn't in the script, it was like massive explosion. I'm like, I wanna crack a planet.
0: Yeah, you cracked it. And
1: so I asked I asked Seth if we could crack a planet. I'm like, please just let me crack a planet. <laughs> and and so we ended up end up not being so much of a crack as much of like a like that that park shooting out. Mm-hmm. But it was a um it was definitely kind of one of my favorite things, uh, in the show.
0: The Egotastic Fun Time podcast is brought to you by me. I'm doing all of this all on my lonesome with the help of some people sometimes that want to talk on this show. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope you are, uh, saying, Hey, I want some more of these Egotastic Fun Time podcast episodes to waste my time with, uh, and hopefully, you know, have some, Entertainment flow into your ears Uh, But you can support this channel Keep them coming Keep these episodes coming uh, By helping support the show On Patreon.com Or EgotasticFundime.com Did I say Fundime? Funtime.com I want to keep doing these I want to keep talking I want to keep exploring I want to keep bringing people on the show And just find stuff that's uh, interesting For me at least To talk about Hope it's interesting to you, too. Uh, thank you guys for all your support. And
1: uh, I'm going to keep uh, putting these things together. So they did, Powerhouse did this really cool thing where they sucked the atmosphere in and shot it back out again. And then the blue arcs came out. Mm-hmm. And then fused did the big explosion scenes. And uh, one of the things we all realize is, oh, the debris shouldn't be raining downwards. It should be raining upwards because <laughs> yeah. it's coming from below.
0: And that was a great you joke, know? too, for uh, for the wedding that <laughs> Isaac invited every single Kalon
1: yeah it was crazy the original last shot that we were going to see of the Orville was actually the really wide shot where we're zooming past all the Kalon and the Orville's are really tiny mm-hmm. we're kind of zooming up on it uh and then at the end uh Seth made ultimately I think the, probably the coolest decision ever to like come off of Gordon playing the guitar in into the Orville as it flies towards space mm-hmm. and I pitched can I put the Milky Way there because it'd be a fun callback to the main titles where the last shot we see the orville we come off the fleet is oh the yeah way so um you know fuse did that because you know she was like we want to do the last shot in the show so we <laughs> <but they> were <laughs> well, already swamped and underwater for everything but sure yeah okay
0: well we how big was shot. that shot to make uh in that ep- in the finale where four thousand 000 Kalon ships show up all of a sudden?
1: Well you can't you can't show four thousand, right? Because that yeah. wouldn't track. So one of the things that um you know the previous team did that I thought was really good was uh we did kind of a uh, like the the popcorn poppers, right? So it's like boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, and we're just panning as you're seeing streaks coming by. So the assumption of the audience is well, what's behind camera are another couple hundred, and then above yeah. us would be a couple hundred. And so we kind of just really um you play that with sound design, you play that with the way you block it and it makes those scenes feel like more. I think there's probably only like 80 or 90 frames mm-hmm. in the actual CG, but but it, you know, the assumption is okay, everybody showed up.
0: Yeah, you let the you and, let the viewers brain fill in the fill in the gaps. But yeah, right, that was and that's, it was so cool though.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was definitely a um, the, we were really really just again not not to keep saying it but like it was really fortunate that Seth you know was so into allowing us to just really have fun making this show what it was from a visual effects point of view we really didn't have besides time and scope you know we didn't have a lot of limitations you know he yeah. really went for a lot of ideas he was really really open to all of us kind of just doing the thing and so, it's, well
0: it's it's kind of like uh the show was made with the message that the show gives which is coexistence is not futile it's possible and it's better when people coexist together so that's how it seems like the show was made with all you guys uh having your your say uh when yeah it comes i mean to look, creative. At,
1: the, at the end of the day the uh the world Seth built is just incredible. And, you know, the teams that we've managed to get together, like there were a lot of people who really stepped up to the plate to make the show happen. We we had a really scary moment where we didn't think we were going to have enough vendors with what was going on with the pandemic and with, you know, things that had happened to get through the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So there was a really real, real fear that we weren't going to be able to finish the visual effects in time with the scope of what we had and we were really fortunate that a lot of people stepped up and you know it's hard when you've got like a new vendor like all of the space battles in domino were done by brand new vendors who had never done the orville before Mm -hmm. and so you're doing kind of like an orville boot camp of like okay here's how the ships look here's how they're lit here's how we do our, you know kind of the shots i mean the previs was all done so they knew you know, the way we do previously in the orbital is that's the final shot, right? We don't really change the animation of the ship. So it's kind of like all you have to do is light it and do the laser blast, make it look. But that's saying it like that makes it seem simple. Yeah. Right. Oh, all you have to do is light it and put laser blasts in. And it's never that easy. So I think, you know, in the time that we had and the way that these people stepped up, it was just extraordinary. And it looked good. I mean, there, again there's always things that you can go back and say man i wish we would have had more time to fix that one shot or that two shot you know two shots it's it's always you're at a certain point you're always going to have to like let it go and say okay you know what this is where i got to put the pencils down and this is where we're going to make it go you yeah know? perfection if is I, the
0: enemy of getting stuff done basically
1: yeah i mean if i had if i if I had my way, I would do what, what CBS did to the original series and go back and revamp all of season one's graphics.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Maybe that opportunity will, will happen if it ever even needs to be done. Maybe maybe this I, is where yeah. effects stop. This is as far as we'll ever get.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, look, if, if we did a fourth season, I think um, I would probably pitch that it looks more like episode six and episode ten. So the way the space battles were lit in 10 and the way that things were done in 6 when we are doing the uh, the silhouette battle around the uh, destroyed installation. Man, there was a cool version of that at one point that was mm-hmm. all just like icy white. Oh, so we ended wow. up going with the greenish, the greenish yellow look, which mm-hmm. I think was the right choice. But the first pitch of it was like ice planet and it was just pure black and white. So the only color you had were the engines and the lasers. Wow. And it was just this beautiful, and it was really hard contrast silhouette. So it was basically like this beautiful space battle entirely in silhouette.
2: Oh and wow! And it was just
1: gorgeous. that sounds new. That sounds it new wasn't, to me. It wasn't. It wasn't where we ultimately ended up, but and where we ultimately ended up still looked freaking awesome. Like Seth was using that that battle at the beginning of three hundred six as a uh, reference for like what he wanted everything to look like lighting wise. Mm-hmm so it ultimately really did inform stuff but one day i'm gonna get like a pure silhouette space battle scene in somewhere and just see how that plays out because because like imagine people hiding in the shadows of like a battle imagine pe or shadows of things where it's like lit by just a single sun mm-hmm. like orville right now is like we've got three three magical suns in every shot just
0: that keep like that pitch it. Keep that pitch with you no matter what you're working on. Eventually, I'm sure someone's going to want to grab on. Oh, it would be super cool.
1: Think of it it like a battle set in the look of gravity, the movie Gravity, where everything's more realistically lit. Mm -hmm. And you've got just, you know, you see, I mean, look, there's the unrealistic like fires and engines and laser blasts. But just imagine like Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar, Orville style battle that is just all silhouette and then you'll see like the silhouette get cut out like et against the the crest of like a planet and then you, you get into it and then you cut to the other side of the line everything's like super lit like wow. super hard
0: and hopefully it'll be, be a really lot cool. of planets to crack uh in silhouette as well <laughs> such a great time talking to brandon i want to thank him for coming onto the podcast thank you guys for listening to this podcast and i want to remind you of something because a lot of people have lost their way and I blame society for it, but that's a discussion for another day. But I want to remind you, the Orville has not been canceled. A lot of people just assume it has been canceled because it has not yet been renewed. Keyword there uh, in my Orvillian heart is yet. Uh, I truly believe we will be getting more Orville, but it really is going to come down to Uh, you know, Disney and Hulu wanting to pay for it, get everybody together. You you can't go backwards. This is a a huge season, and if they do another season, it has to be huge. Uh, but we need some newer New Horizons. Uh, hashtag Disney, hashtag Hulu. We're ready for it. We know we had to wait for everyone to be on board and, and, and get whatever else they have to do out of the way so they can dedicate their minds and hearts and time to the Orville and I hope you guys will be there with me to uh, enjoy a new season someday. Fingers crossed, no news here. Uh, You know, there's those channels out there that want there to be news and they'll cut out any little sound bite in order to make there be news, but there's no news here as of yet. Um, But no news is good news. I'll see you guys very soon. And remember, we all do better when we all do better. Love you. Bye-bye.